Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. Uh, I don't know what episode it is, so I'm not going to pretend that I know. Um, do we do have a guest today? Before I introduce our guest, uh, I am going to say hello to Johnny. Hello, Johnny. Hi. Hello. Nice to see you. Um, we have the fantastic Corey Rob today. Hello, Corey. Hi. How are you doing? Good. I don't know about fantastic, but <laughs> you, you are. You are fantastic. Um, I always, when I think about you, I always think one of the nicest guys in fitness. That's what I think. There's a few people. There's a, like you, you're in one of a handful of people where I was think nicest guy in fitness. So like you, on, on that kind of podium almost. So um, obviously that's a fit- pretty high high honor to hold. <laughs> well, well, not coming from me necessarily, but yeah. <laughs> um, I do appreciate it. Though. No, no, you are you are a super dude. Um, obviously, I've known you for quite a while now. Well, it feels like quite a while. I mean, pro- at least probably five years. You are a long way away. All the way over the yeah, Atlantic yeah, Ocean, five to, or six years, yeah, yeah, uh, in in Canada. For those who don't know, but I guess you'll you can talk about uh, the the about you bit in a moment. But um, yeah. actually, let's start with that. Let's go straight into that. So, um, for those that don't know you, um, who is Corey Rob? Who is Corey Rob? <laughs> um, well, I am one of the directors of coaching for Macros Inc. Um, what is now um, a fairly large um, fitness and nutrition coaching service. Um, but, uh, I mean, I've been in the fitness and nutrition industry since 1999. That's when I first got my, my PT certification when I was 19 years old and working in a, a little hole in the wall gym. Um, and back then, I mean, we didn't have internet certification, so I actually had to do my certification in a classroom. <laughs> so I'm old, older than I look, thankfully. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, I got into it because I, I loved at the time bodybuilding. I used to idolize Lou Ferrigno and Arnold Schwarzenegger and all those guys. Um, and uh, unfortunately, I, I gained a whole bunch of weight trying to eat like Lou Ferrigno because I, I figured out that when you're five foot seven, you can't eat like a six foot five, 300 pound bodybuilder <laughs> without gaining a little extra. Um and then, you know, in an effort to to lose that, I, I tried everything under the sun. And like everyone else, it didn't work for me. And I'm doing air quotes for those who can't see. <laughs> um, and that's how I found evidence-based nutrition, um, which ironically, I found it through the ketogenic diet. Um, through doing that, um, I found Lyle McDonald's work um, with his ketogenic diet book. And the way that was presented, um, it was the first time I'd read anything where it felt like it was just giving you the unbiased, you know, um, truth behind it rather than trying to spin it as a miracle cure or anything like that. And that kind of led me down the rabbit hole and, and, uh, everything went from there. And then five years ago, um, myself and uh, a group of people who were moderating and helping out in other groups kind of all converged online and, uh, started our own fitness and nutrition group, um, mainly because we found that a lot of the groups that we were in were not very supportive of the members. Um, and a lot of times, I mean, we were trying to combat misinformation and the groups that we were in themselves were kind of spreading it. So we wanted a, a safer space online for people to come ask questions and whether they were advanced or beginner 
feel safe doing so and not be torn a new one if they asked a, a question that might be a newbie question, but they would mm-hmm. always get you know, uh, a thoughtful, caring response. Yeah. And that kind of blew, blew up um, bigger than we ever imagined. And, and here we are. Yeah, that I, th- I think um, like thinking back to that time period when you started Macros Inc., um, I guess at the time you kind of had your two, you kind of had your groups of either your echo chamber, um, like almost cult-like groups where they had their own thing, and that that's kind of like there was no room for negotiation or kind of variance on someone's opinions, beliefs, or mindset on stuff. Um, or you had the kind of like the real, and I guess there's there's an element of like that 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 kind of almost. Um, culture and cult-like behaviors do have some real positive stuff in terms of how everyone comes together and obviously have some kind of singular beliefs that you get and i can remember back then obviously it's either that or you'd have the real kind of like you know the evidence-based folk but didn't really know how to interact or kind of like you said there support people so it's kind of like you, yeah you know if someone was there trying to kind of understand things it was kind of a bit like you say a difficult unsupportive um environment where someone yeah. probably perhaps may not feel comfortable asking like you said the newbie question or kind of even chipping in or getting involved in conversations through fear um there wasn't really kind of a bit of both about at that point i remember obviously kind of like i even my own trying to find support or find um like my own journey trying to find these areas they didn't really exist you kind of had your i mean i guess like you you think of like you know lyle's work and lyle's group and stuff that obviously breeds itself own kind of little culture in that kind of evidence-based type realm doesn't it in terms of and obviously, I guess it's a lot more support nowadays, but I don't mean to single that out, but that's kind of like just an example of what I mean by mm-hmm. one side. And obviously then you get your Weight Watchers, Slimming World, Keto, you know, insert name, diet, whatever group. Um, and like I said, I guess it feels like Macros Inc. really tried to get a blend of both those things, as you said. And that, you know, that's probably why it's blown up. Yeah, uh, I mean, I definitely would agree with that. Um, and I would say, I mean, I still find, you know, a lot of, a lot of what's out there very cult-like and you know um there's still those echo chambers um i mean i do i do find that the groups tend to stick to their camps and you know have difficulty interacting with people outside of those camps or getting on the same level you know with those people and having you know um civil discourse <laughs> somewhat um but yeah, I mean, like that—that that is what we tried to do was blend the two, and and I mean, our f- main focus was to to put the client first, to remember that you know not everyone knows what we know, um, and try and meet them where they're at. Where I mean, a lot of the evidence-based crew, I still find that they're very mired in the evidence base and forget that you know they have to cater to the individual that's in front of them and. The evidence base is a good starting point. It informs us a lot, but at the end of the day, it's all about the individual and tailoring to that person. And I mean, sometimes you have to go outside of the box and and to do that, right? Absolutely, for sure. I think a lot of people forget the kind of pillars of what evidence based practice is. Don't they? Yeah, they kind I of so they too. kind of they kind of forget that there's there's a couple other pillars uh, pillars there that are quite prominent or should be used more often than they are rather than saying the, there's a paper that says this so that's what you do or you know there's a paper yeah. that says don't do this that's what you don't do um yeah i mean like i mean the evidence base is for you know i mean it's for optimal right but the, i mean the reality is is that reality isn't always optimal right? you have to find what's realistic for the individual mm. 
Yeah, and I guess it, that also is on the premise of the fact that there are lots of things we don't actually know and there isn't evidence for yet. Yeah, um, absolutely. And th- there's also a lot of experience and anecdote which haven't been accounted for from, you know, have the backing of a research paper. So does that mm-hmm. mean you kind of just kind of disclude that as something that you might put into practice when you've seen it work with people yourself? It's kind of, you know, taking that own experience um, you know, taking the best evidence, your own experience, and the individual needs—those three pillars that we, you know, should you use when you're, you know, considering yourself an evidence-based practitioner. Um, yeah. Often, they, those latter two, especially, get forgotten because, uh, uh, you know, evidence-based practice. And oh, I'm an evidence-based practitioner. Um, it's kind of the cool new thing. What there has been the last few years, the cool new thing to kind of call yourself, and it's almost become a bit of a selling point on its own. Which, really, it should just be it a has. foundation. <laughs> it shouldn't be a selling point. It's just, it should just be a foundation of all practice. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If you as we're known it, evidence based, and you see a lot of people who do say, "Oh, I'm evidence based," and the, and the information they go, "You think, are you really?" Be looking at yeah, it. Yeah, I, I see that a lot too. I mean, it's almost a buzzword, like you know, like Brett said, it's a selling point nowadays, and that pe- people see that it draws them in, and they think, "Oh, this is backed by science." But yeah, then you look at their practice, and that's not always mm. the case. But what was that thing in? Uh, what what salads group? Fat loss made easy. There was something there, but a, uh, a quite extreme diet from was it the NHS diabetes. What one like Newcastle study? What very very low yes. calorie diet. And they were the, the evidence based crowd were up in arms about mm. that. Well, why the evidence shows this, but why? Because it doesn't fit the yeah. evidence base that they like. That's wrong. So yeah. well, you're not even evidence based, and you cherry picking evidence based, which is very nice. I see just as much cherry picking with a lot of the evidence-based crowd as I do any other crowd. Yeah, yeah. That that that's that that. I mean, that point of cherry picking. That's the thing. Obviously, people will choose evidence that suits their bias, narrative, agenda, whatever. Um, yeah. But if you really want to call yourself evidence-based, and Johnny takes the piss at me all the time for this, where I'll say, "Oh, this isn't quite an evidence-based answer," blah blah blah, just as to kind of like a a bit of a pre-caveat for something I might say, because I don't want to be seen as not evidence-based and because I see it in so many other people where they'll say something with authority as if it is evidence-based I'm like well actually it's not evidence-based you can't really say it that way so I'll kind of like always like give a precursory like oh, what I'm about to say is not really evidence-based but blah 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 yeah. and, um, and I think go on. I think as long as you're taking that stance and you're being transparent about that there's nothing wrong with that because I mean anecdote still has its place and you know I mean there you still yeah, you, uh, again, you still have to, to look at it as, you know, what's what's realistic for for people to actually, you know, execute. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you do, as long as you're caveating that, I don't see anything wrong with, with you know, no, throwing, you're... you know, that into the hat. No, there's a lot of things I think we all kind of almost, even in the evidence-based realm, and I would talk a lot about evidence-based here, but I think it's quite a good conversation, um, where we kind of accept as evidence-based and perhaps sometimes not. And I think the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago, Johnny, didn't we, is around things for gut health. And um, I can't remember, someone made a comment about, oh, well, uh, kombucha or, no, kimchi, I think it was, wasn't it? Kimchi's like great for your gut health. And I'm like, hang on a minute, I'm not sure how much evidence there really is to suggest it may be, but I'm not mm-hmm. sure we actually know that yet. And it's kind of like, they're things that's just one example they're things like that where we just kind of accept sometimes that it that, oh that yeah we all know that and in reality and while i you know listen to some of the the very the much smarter people than me talk on things like podcasts and the likes of greg knuckles and eric on stronger by science and stuff and they mm-hmm. they'll often defend 
certain you know i think i'm trying to think of an example what now which is i think one more recently they were talking about was like training to failure perhaps and obviously it's mm-hmm. kind of a bit like the evidence-based crew now or some of it anyway at least are a bit like oh you should never train to failure you know it's, it's kind of like it has a, a negative net effect for kind of long-term hypertrophy and obviously like hang on a minute actually the evidence-based response is not that if you go blah 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 and they obviously will go through and cite all the papers which clearly i, I you know i don't have the knowledge to necessarily kind of do it in the way they would but obviously again it's another example where we kind of accept that oh well you know that's an evidence-based thing you should never train to failure and perhaps actually if you really want to be evidence-based you, you kind of not always going to be correct by saying things that are just general acceptances yeah yeah and i mean i think a lot of people kind of take the the summaries that they're hearing out there from like you said you know i mean a lot of the you know the more academic based um, people in the evidence based field and are just parroting what they're saying without really actually looking into the evidence base for themselves. Um, and I mean, like I'll listen to anyone. Like, I mean, I, I always think that there's, there's something to be learned from, from everyone. I mean, evidence based or not, usually there's some sort of nugget in there that is either helpful to communicate something to, to someone or, there is a nugget of truth in there somewhere, but I mean, I believe in, I mean, this sounds fun, you know, um, cliche, but doing your own research and, you know, listening to all of the opinions out there and digging, you know, deeper down the rabbit hole to, to find kind of, you know, the truth in the, in the gray area as well. And then forming your own opinion from, you know, the weight of evidence. Cause again, I mean, like everyone's putting their own spin on, on things. Right. They all they all come at it from their own angle, but mm. everyone has their bias as well. Like, I mean, the you know, the 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 more you dig and and look out there, you know, the the clearer vision you're going to have when you're you know forming your own opinion rather than taking on someone else's bias. For me, if in doubt, ask Lyle McDonald. I'll go. They say this. I'll, I'll go and ask Lyle and he'll give you an answer. And I. Rightly wrongly, personally, I trust his view more than most. Yeah, if not all. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I I don't I don't ever take anyone's um, opinion at at face value, no matter who it is. I still try to, again, you know, look elsewhere as well, and and see, you know, where does the weight of the evidence actually lead, you know. Um, I, I do agree that Lyle is, you yeah. know, he's one of the, the more trustworthy ones when it comes to yeah, giving you an honest opinion. And, uh, but still, I mean, again, everyone has their bias. So I, I try to look at everyone's viewpoint to, before I form my own opinion. He very much dislikes anything that Helms or, <laughs> or anyone in that category does know. Yeah. And I mean, I believe everything should be challenged. He, he he definitely has a very moralistic view on stuff like not in a bad way in terms of it it will override his opinion on on evidence because mm-hmm. i would say far from it but i mean you take the whole high volume study debacle which i'm sure you, you're fully aware of yeah. Corey, but obviously I'm, he was talking about how he even ditched 20 grand's worth of books that he'd written with helms um and just because obviously he was like i'm not selling them now because from a from a moral standpoint I don't feel it's the right thing to do. So basically, I'm going to give them all away and have to reprint them all to obviously the detriment of his own financial bank balance. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, which is, I mean, he's probably not short of a few bob. Don't get me wrong, but 
fair play to him for uh, for, for for standing by his his morals and doing it because most people wouldn't not for that sort of cash so so uh, yeah i mean he definitely has you know integrity when it comes to you know maintaining his his stance yeah yeah, yeah. and obviously that isn't something that's sorry johnny go on. I wouldn't say he's a very polite individual. No, no, maybe, maybe not that. He's got integrity, but he's just not very polite. No <laughs> Talking about some stuff. Probably he's, he's, just, he's just a little salty, that's all. <laughs> he's um, talking about some views on end, right? And yeah. people have debated it back and forth up until now, and they found out, oh, yeah, he's right. He's right 10 years ago. I'm like, yeah. I, I expect that from Lionel now. Yeah, but you don't, have to, you don't have to be rude to people, do you? Oh, no, that's the thing, and and obviously, like I don't know, I probably Some, something up there wrong with him, isn't it? I, I well, yeah, I, I my guess would be that there are some emotional or mental issues, but uh, <laughs> that that would be obviously an accusation that I can't make because I don't know, I don't know Lyle personally. I, I've ha- I've had my yeah. run-ins with him personally, so I can celebrate my own experience with Lyle. And he's not a very polite man, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but he does seem to come across as though there's perhaps some 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 issues there. So yeah, I'd probably agree with you, Johnny, but. I, th- I think his best friend is Mike Israel. I think they're best oh, friends. They are. They are. They're, I would. Say, I always go as far to say lovers. I would say so. Yeah. yeah. That's that's the other thing. I, I know this shouldn't be a podcast about Lyle, but it's funny. Obviously, there. Uh, um, the back and forth on the train, yeah. the training to failure feud is amazing. Just watching the like Lyle just will not give up. He's 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 worse than a dog with a bone. He just will not give up. Um, mm-hmm. And he keeps trying to goad goad him into like this train to failure stuff. They keep going about this. It's amazing to yeah. watch. <laughs> I've, I've seen it. <laughs> um, Brit, so just obviously, I guess like a so, lot of stuff. They're really good stuff we talked about, and I guess obviously it kind of brings me to I guess um, your kind of like you said your your main day to day role of kind of helping coaches and with their nutritional knowledge, you know, kind of educating them. Um, I think you you kind of said this, you know, specifically around kind of. Um, I don't know if I use the word practical ability, but kind of like basically helping coaches be better coaches. Um, yeah. What do you think? Obviously, be, I'd be keen to know kind of like what do you see like the, the is the the biggest strength that the kind of the coaches that you then kind of work with under Macros Inc have, or kind of also what do you see like the biggest thing that you kind of help them develop as well? So I can either so I guess the answer can either be like what they already have, or what you know kind of what do you then do to kind of help them focus on because you see it's kind of like the the biggest thing that can help them be better coaches. Yeah, that's definitely kind of a, a multifaceted question with a couple of answers. But um, <clears throat> I mean, I think our biggest strength um, as far as the coaches that we work with is is our team. Um, I mean, like there I, there's a, a vast you know range of experience on our team. We're at almost 100 coaches now. And, um, I mean, there's PhDs and degrees and, and I mean, just tons of practical experience across everything you can think of powerlifting, endurance, clinical nutrition, all of that. Um, so, I mean, that's definitely a, a, a major strength is, is they have that pool of knowledge to pull from yeah. and within the company, there's probably someone with an answer if if you have a question. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, you must you must have a, 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 such a breadth of expert skills. You know, if you've got kind of people studying PhDs in certain things, you've almost got internal resource to kind of lean on anybody probably at any point with, with that amount, which is kind of, yeah. you know, something that you can't take for granted or take lightly, how, how important that is. Yeah, and I mean, we we work really hard to, to work as a team, which, I mean, I, 
that's kind of rare um, in a bigger coaching company. That's that's not something you really see very often. Um, I mean, we we have monthly continuing ed for our coaches um, at our meetings. We have team meetings on the regular, um, and we really focus heavily on that and supporting our coaches. So, I mean, like if a coach is having any issues or anything, or they're having a you know a hard time with a client who's a, a particularly difficult case there's always someone on the team to turn to, to help with that. Um, now, I mean, if, as far as the coaches, you know, who come in, who need help, I would say that the majority of them, it's, it's the soft skills. It's, it's the application and communicating to the layman. Um, you know, I, that's one thing that I find kind of lacking in a lot of the academia as they get, you know, heavily into the, um, I mean, the, the biological aspects and all of that stuff. But I mean, a lot of those things, yeah, you'll never have to explain to a client. Right? Like it just isn't relevant to to communicating what needs to be communicated for for them to get results. Yeah. And they don't you know, they don't need to understand the mTOR pathway and how many ATP are created in the Krebs cycle. You'll never have to explain that to a client. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like. You know, we go over like case studies and and have them respond to them, and then, you know, to to help them along, we'll respond to those case studies with our model response, and then also give context on why we responded the way we we did, so that they can kind of get a better understanding of why we're communicating the things we are, and, you know, they're they're then thinking more about educating the client, right? Remembering that the client doesn't know what they know. Right, so that they can take more time with them and and explain the things, so that they the client ends up with a deeper understanding of why they're being you know asked to do something or something is being recommended, and then they're more likely to go ahead and implement that. Right, because if they don't have the why, you know they're they're unlikely to to implement it. You know, mm -hmm. the I always use an analogy. <clears throat> um, you know, if I if I tell someone to go stand on a you know, a circle in the, the middle of a room without any context, they're, you know, they're not going to go listen to me and stand on the circle. But if I tell them that that's the one safe spot in the room and the roof's about to come down everywhere but that one spot, well, now they have very good reason to go stand on that spot, right? Same thing. Like, yeah. I mean, if they understand why they're doing it, what the benefits are, then they're more likely to to take that on. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Um, I, I I can absolutely relate to the comments around um, explaining any kind of scientific um, processes <laughs> yeah. or kind of biological, bio, biochemical processes to people because, I mean, I've caught myself in the past whenever I've kind of gone to talk about something, I've, I've, I've kind of learned quite quickly that from the blank faces I get back, it's like, oh, okay, actually this isn't making any sense. Um, yeah. And <laughs> soon switch to trying to find some context or an analogy that will actually something understand like recently just talking about kind of the the, the muscle pro muscle protein synthetic response and just kind of talking about like using the whole wall analogy that most people would use like how do you build a wall and um yeah you kind of have to do that to meet clients where they're at don't you because yeah otherwise absolutely. you know you just you find yourself not being able to connect or build any type of relationship with a with a person you know You're not yeah. not an academic or not a someone that's into right. this stuff like you are 
Right. Yeah. And I mean, you have to be able to, to relate it to them in a way that gets them to understand the, you know, the fundamentals of it without feeling like they're being condescended to or talked down to. Right. Because I mean, you do that as well. And then that throws up a wall in communication and they're not really willing to listen to the rest of what you have to say. If you can, you know, say it in a way that's educating them, um, but isn't talking down to them, then, then yeah, you know, they're much more likely to, to get the results that they're looking for. Mm. Uh, we've we've obviously a group your size and obviously a hundred plus coaches to manage (laughs) how difficult is that uh it's it takes a lot of work yeah i mean like we have you know again i mean it it started out with just four of us um and now we have i mean departments we have you know customer experience department who who handles like the you know the the day-to-day interactions with clients before they actually come on and um, I mean, myself and three of the, or two of the other directors run the coaching team day to day. Um, we have lead coaches who oversee small teams of coaches of six to seven coaches. Uh, yeah, it, it takes a, a lot of work. Um, and then the group, I mean, we have, uh, uh, you know, a great group of, of moderators who, who have come on, um, because we've, you know, we've helped them or they've, you know, they, they can see that we genuinely care and, and they want to be a part of that. But I mean, for us, the, you know, that's the most important thing is, is retaining the core values that, um, that we started out with and the reason we started the group in the first place. So, uh, I mean, in some ways that, that can slow down growth because, again it's you know it's difficult to find like-minded individuals who who have those core values and who don't want to capitalize on on the group um and it's really important to us to to maintain the culture that we've we've cultivated but yeah it it takes a lot of work and you know an entire team of people these days to to manage it all and and keep those core values in place but we've been very lucky to have people who who care about it and and who you know have the same beliefs that we do. How many clients have you currently got then? Do you know? Uh, clo- I think it's getting close to four thousand. Thousand. Yeah, yeah. And our group. I mean, I saw. I stopped keeping track, but the group, like the main um, Macrozinc Facebook group, is somewhere around three hundred and thirty thousand people or something like that. Yeah. That is massive. Oh yeah. I mean, I remember when I came to to Nottingham for the, the MNU grad. Oh man. I mean, that's 2017 now, but I, I mean, I think, I don't even think we were at a hundred thousand people yet by then. So yeah, it's, it's grown exponentially. Like, like I said, I mean, every day I wake up and I'm like, how did I get here? (laughs) Because I just never in a million years anticipated it growing to the size that it has. But Again, I mean, I think it's that we have given people a safe space to come, right? Like, I mean, you go in a lot of other groups and, and again, I mean, still, you know, you still have the culture where if you're not, if you, if you ask a question that everyone considers a newbie question, I mean, you get, you get chastised for it, made fun of, and that scares people away. And we, again, our moderators work really hard to, to try to, um, monitor that kind of behavior and and make sure that you know everyone can go in there and ask a question and get a a detailed caring response rather than a 
yeah, made fun of. <laughs> yeah, that must be. I mean, uh, it, it it blows my mind to even think of how. I mean, I know you've got a lot of people and a great team by the sounds of it, but I mean, it just blows my mind how we can even support or manage that type of that size. It's yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, we. I guess you know, you see, you see. Well, yeah, I mean, our, our group's a couple of thousand people. It's not too bad, but you you kind of see some larger groups, and that just descends into chaos half the time. Um, yeah, of, of difference of opinions and beliefs, and you know, just personality types that can be so difficult to manage. But so yeah, fa- fair play is obviously a credit to to you guys and the people in there and the moderators that you have because i guess those I, I can imagine you look at them thinking they're so invaluable um oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah you know we couldn't we couldn't do what we do and we we couldn't have grown to the size that we have um if we didn't have them you know in it with us mm. well i mean out of, so you've four thousand clients i know they're not all yours clearly um no no because <laughs> obviously that be, <laughs> i think it might be an un- unmanageable number um yeah. what, what what do you kind of see a lot of the common themes that people kind of struggle with the most and i guess actually maybe i'll start with a different question actually before we get on to that kind of what is the kind of typical client that you have in terms of goals is it kind of weight loss clients or yeah i mean yeah typically they are coming to us for weight loss um but again i mean like a lot of our mission is is to promote a balanced lifestyle as well. So, I mean, there, there are a lot of times where those goals pivot and as they understand, you know, like the sacrifices necessary to reach certain goals or, you know, or lifestyle sacrifices and stuff like that. I mean, they may change their mind at some point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That actually, we see just, that. Just, sorry, I was going to say just on that absolutely brilliant yep. point. I've had that exact conversation with numerous clients the past, couple of months where kind of explaining yep. longer term strategies and where mm-hmm. you do tend to find very regularly clients goals will pivot based on that exact point about the sacrifice to yep. lifestyle becomes far more i don't know if i use the word painful but basically the the priority of their goal becomes less based on the sacrifice they'd have to take and actually their their kind of priorities and kind of goals change on that point um it's way more common i think but in, in a good way um, yeah. as in not like oh, I give up then I can't be asked. it's kind of a very much a, they start to see the requirements and actually have some real perspective on kind of life and you know a balanced yeah. well-being mm-hmm. yeah I mean it, it has to be about that in the end like I mean it's and that I think that's that's probably what I'm most proud of with the company is that that's something that we we really try to highlight with clients is you know is this still your goal, you know, with, with this understanding, you know, I mean, the fact that we ask those questions and, and try to, you know, promote people thinking about that question, because that really is the most important thing. Like, I mean, you know, we all talk about sustainable lifestyle and all that, but what does that mean? Right. I mean, like that's different person to person, you know, and no one can, can tell another person what is going to be sustainable for them. If someone wants like legit wants to track all of their food every day of their life and they are happy doing that and they feel balanced doing that, that's perfectly fine. I can't tell someone that that's disordered if it's not actually disordered and they have balance in their life and they're able to implement that realistically for someone else who like, I don't know, say you have a, a a single, you know, middle-aged mother of three children working a full-time job but who also wants to be, you know, shredded and, <laughs> and jacked, you know, that 
you know, what they have to do and the things that they have to overcome to achieve that, you know, can feel insurmountable at times, right? So, I mean, for them, yeah, like having the lifestyle of a 25-year-old college student who, I don't know, uh, has more time on their hands to to put towards those goals, that might be fine, right? But But yeah, I mean, it's, we do want people thinking of that. We do want them to to leave us one with all of the tools that they need and knowing how to apply it in different situations. Like what what needs to change when something else changes so that they can keep on track and having a wide array of tools so that no matter what circumstances they find themselves in, they know how to manage it. And that's our end goal with people. It's not to keep clients forever. It's to to educate them so that they don't need us anymore. And that might not sound like a very good business model, <laughs> but it seems to be working okay for us. <laughs> mm. I've actually seen in your group actually as well, so a few questions from people, which I guess you're going to get with a f- amount of people in there, but around like what do I actually get for coaching or kind of like what mm. difference is it from the support you're getting in the Facebook group and stuff like that. And actually what you just yep. said could be a really good um counter argument or not counter not counter is probably the right term but obviously a good response or rebuttal to kind of those questions because obviously yeah. the things you just said there are all far over and above a weekly check-in and a macro check type thing um yeah absolutely and i guess obviously that's because i think when people think about online coaching a lot of time they just think oh so i get an email once a week or i get a you know a, a, even a call once a week whatever but sometimes they, they don't realize kind of the the actual in-depth um analysis that happens in really kind of like the subjective sides to coaching so the kind of the less about based on macros and numbers and stuff because obviously i guess your even your Mm -hmm. brand is very much kind of macros inc for a lot of people they didn't realize there's there's a lot more in depth to that it's not about macros like it's probably i'm I'm sure you probably tell me that most of your clients almost the macro side of it is such a small amount of the actual coaching side that it's almost kind of just irrelevant um (laughs) you know so it's a funny one yeah i mean like the name itself, yeah, it give, does give people the preconceived notion that that's the only approach that we take. And I mean, that's one thing that we definitely tell people is that, um, no, I mean, it was it was a, a, a catchy name. <laughs> um, it, you know, it's good for the SEO optimization. But um, but yeah, I mean, like, uh, we, we definitely take a, a client first approach. And I mean, if if we're working with someone and tracking macros, you know, a couple of weeks in, we're finding that all that does is is cause stress for them and and pull their focus away from you know the the bigger picture and you know other things that they should be considering: quality of choices, hunger and satiety. You know, more important things than just macro numbers. Um, then, yeah, I mean, we'll take a different approach with them because that's what's appropriate for that person. Um, but yeah, it's. I can't. I can't remember where I was going. With yeah, that. no, you're right. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, th- I think, like, to add to that, one thing that I found from coaching individuals is you can't get away from the fact that people that have, you know, that might come to you for a specific goal, and let's just use weight loss because it's the easiest example. But um, you know, kind of for a weight loss goal, inevitably there's, well, inevitably most most usually there is some form of food relationship issue body image issue um kind of some sort of mental aspect which you can't get away from and obviously Mm -hmm. treating someone you can't treat that with 
numbers macros and kind of a very kind of like ifym flexible dieting type approach all of the conversations have to start aligning more holistically on all these areas to kind of help someone so i think you know if you want to be a good coach you, you kind of you you couldn't just result in in saying here's the numbers and off you go. Obviously, we know that coaches like that exist out there, and ironically, obviously, I guess the kind of the internet slang term would be a, like a macro coach. Ironically, but I guess obviously it's probably for you. That's why it's important for you to kind of go through that client set approach first, and you kind of really explain to people that this is not what it's about, despite the name. No, like you said, I mean it, that's a very very small um, aspect of what it's all about. Like I mean, more importantly, is getting them to. To understand, you know, the variables, the underlying variables that are at play, um, having a deeper understanding of those and and how your environment, your upbringing, you know, can can affect those things and getting them to understand their own behaviors and choices better, right? Getting them to think about why they're making the choices that they're making and if those choices are the ones that they really want to make. Because, I mean, the you know, the instant reward is 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 always you know the easiest path thinking about you know the downstream effect takes kind of slowing down and and thinking about it that's the part we try to get people to is slowing down and thinking about the decisions that they're making because that really is you know the most important factor psychology and soft skills are definitely the most important thing in coaching bar nothing it's it's easy to me calories are almost the simplest thing yeah, yeah, I 100% agree with that. Teach. You can teach someone, like, 320 calories, you're going to get fatter. Simple. But the psychology that goes behind everything else, and the co- that's what that's a good coach, and the good coaches are that not, not get into your psyche, but can understand the psychology behind dieting, muscle gain, yeah. why people want the things they do. That's the most important thing. It's easy to go where you are. Protein is carbs, is fat that carries to that. It's easy, isn't it? That's it. Easy. Yeah, you can yeah I mean that's it. just a math problem. All yeah. that's just a, it's just a math problem. But it's it's what is impeding you from implementing those things. That's you know that's the part that people need to get to the root of, and that really is you have to cultivate a relationship with the individual. You have to try to understand them, try to understand their point of view. Why are they making the decisions they are? You know, I mean. And, and not giving canned responses and, and generic advice, right? Like, I mean, the advice has to be specific to that individual. Again, I mean, like that, you know, that, that single, you know, full-time working mother of three, asking her to, to meal prep, you know, a couple of times a week is probably not realistic, right? But giving her other ideas, you know, like, again, go to the grocery store. They have pre-cut veggie trays pick up those you know use those as your snacks you know fruit trays pick up a rotisserie chicken so you don't have to batch cook chicken pull the meat off of that for a few days like it's you know letting them know that it's okay to turn to convenient items and and stuff like that because that's what's realistic for them yes you know optimally you would make all of your own meals but if that's a difficult thing to do and that's the one thing holding you back learning how to manage without having to do that is what's going to allow them to you know achieve what they want to achieve mm. when we went to video when we started video having video updates to a client you see them face to face yeah i found for me that made a difference because you could see 
you could mm-hmm. watch their mannerism. They could watch. They, you maybe you've given them a, a plan of X, and they say, "Yeah, it's all fine." Be like, get the impression it's not. Yeah, because <laughs> you can talk to them and you're personable, and they see you as you end up being almost like friends. They tell you things about their life in the end, so you know yeah. you've got a connection, and you can see. Actually, I think I've done the wrong thing there, and you can work it out there and then, and go from there. Like, and when I found it hundred times better than just even them doing a video to me and then sending one back, doing it live, yeah, is a game changer for us because everything you said there, you can almost coax out of them a little bit better. Mm. Yeah, I mean, almost anything that I'm I'm asking of a client, I always end on. You know, does this feel like something that you can do, or is this realistic for you? Like, I always want them to give their input, and I, you know, I let them know that, you know, the the more feedback you give me, the better I can help. Like, if something isn't realistic for you, and I'm asking you to do something that's going to be impossible for you to do, and just make you feel worse about this, then then I'm taking the wrong approach, right? Like, and you know, you putting you know your your information in in with me, we can come up with solutions together, right? I think um, just going back slightly to a bit of a previous sentence you had around, or both of you actually were kind of when you you were kind of going back and forth around mm-hmm. kind of like the food calories being the simplest part and kind of you know macros and that type of stuff. I think uh, Anna, part of Amelia Thompson's team, uh, I sh- reshared some of hers that she posted last week. And I thought it was a really prominent thing and it fit in nicely with that narrative of. I think her post said something along the lines of, "I care more about how you feel about what you ate than what you actually ate." And I guess, like, for me, that kind of almost encompassed a good coach. Like, it's almost like, as a good coach, that, because there's no, there, and this is a sentence I've used quite often with clients, is like, there are no emergencies in nutrition, you know, or mm-hmm. outside of maybe, you know, anaphylactic shock or something, you know. Right? Yeah, yeah. But, but like, basically, if you're, you're on a weight loss journey and you kind of, oh my God, I'm texting my coach because I don't know what to eat at a menu, I don't know what the best choice is, like, that's not an emergency. Have what you want and mm-hmm. we'll talk about it afterwards. Um, you know, it's not, a, yeah. it's, not a, it's not a difficult thing, really. Um but I think obviously that idea of kind of understanding the the emotions and the feelings being almost far over and above it more important than what they actually ate for me does like I say almost um, uh, what's the word it doesn't it does kind of ca- cap- capture or uh, can't say the right word but basically that's what shows me I think that yeah, a good coach how they think and that they do have a client centered approach and not just um, you know kind of a one dimensional goal they're just trying to achieve. So, and I think that also aligns with the kind of point you said about how people's goals pivot. So I think when you speak to clients in that way, that's often the support they need to pivot their goals and they start to understand yeah. what they really want. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, what they really need is education and support, right? That, that is what people need, right? They don't need plans because a, I mean, a plan, all a plan do is it's, it's a roadmap to get where you want to get, but it only works within the context of getting to that place right outside of that then what do you do like if you don't understand what you're doing and and another analogy i use like i mean a plan is kind of like you know passing the exam by copying off of the smart kid in class right i mean you pass the the test but you don't know how you did it right when you have to study for it and you understand the topic and you pass the exam that knowledge is yours forever right you know how you did it you can do it again it's they have to understand the underlying variables but that's that's the hard sell for people because 
that's time investment. And, and, you know, it's like you said, I mean, you, you discuss certain things with people, you can see their eyes glaze over and they're not listening anymore. <laughs> but, 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 you know, at times, you know, they, there's certain things that they need to hear. And I mean, our jobs as coaches is to find the most effective means of communicating those things to the person so that it relates to them and, and they start considering those things. I've I've had uh, a female come to me once who wanted to be competitive, like physique. Never done before, and we had a call, and I said, "This is what's going to take, mind." They could just hear what a bump. <laughs> this is what's going to take. Blah 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 blah. You know, discuss the things. You're going to lose your period. Blah 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 blah. This is what's going to take. It's up to you whether you go on this road. She didn't sign on, which I think didn't think she would. But then she went to someone else and she did her and fucked it up. I'm like, well. Who just listened in the first place? But they, that's the thing that they don't wanna. When some people have got that thing in their head, they don't wanna know almost what it really takes. They just look at the picture and go, "I wanna look like that." It's like, yeah, but yeah. you don't see what's gone into that. They're all mm-hmm. smiley in front of a fo- in front of a camera, but inside they're like death. Yeah. <laughs> but then it, it happens all the time. They you meet them where they're at and try to explain what it takes and. They just find something else as well, something which is like it's a shame, really, because it, it is, yeah. To you or wherever else, then at least if they got there, they would have done it as healthy as is possible. If it, if you are actually healthy down there, you're probably not. But you yeah, know what I mean. yeah, and I mean to me, that's you know that's a poor coach, someone someone who will just put someone through that without giving any explanation as to what's going to happen. What are the ramifications of doing that? Um, you know, and asking the question, why do you want to do this? Cause I mean, a lot of times people haven't even considered that themselves. It's, it's, this is a goal. Maybe if I have this, you know, I'll be motivated to see it through to the end. And then they think they're just going to keep those results when they get, once they get there and that there isn't work to be done after. Like that's the part that people never think of is that, you know, you're never done. you know it's you know once once you buy a car you still have to maintain the car you can't you don't just buy the car and then run it into the ground i mean you can do that but it's it's not going to work out well Mm. it's the same thing once you meet your goal there's still the you know the maintenance of that goal and and are you willing to live with what you have to live with to maintain that goal is that realistic for you right like they need to be asked that question some coaches, yeah, will just take their money and not ever ask that question and use their transformation photo to sell more, you know, packages. And I'm just not one of those people I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if, you know, if I was doing that to people. That is the problem with social media, isn't it? It's all, yeah, you, you can look like this while still eating this. And look at me, I can I can maintain whatever, 6% all year round. And you're like, no, you can't. And But people who were uneducated, which is not their fault, they go, I believe I can do that. And then, yeah. you know, you, I bet you've seen people who've, who've, be, who've been competitive and just can't handle the psychological effects of gaining yeah. Dean Pound I, like, and a bit of fat. I, I, don't, I don't even work with competitors anymore because I personally struggle to put them through it, mm. right? Because it, to me, it is such an unhealthy thing. And I mean, it's one thing if someone is in a good mindset, they understand what they're getting themselves into. But when it's someone who doesn't understand know that what they're going to experience psychologically and physically and <clears throat> I, I just can't do it like I mean my conscience won't let me I'm like oh 
okay, you're not feeling well. Okay, just eat some more food. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> like I can't. I struggle to to put people through that. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually don't work with competitors anymore for that very reason, just because I, I feel terrible putting people through it. And I would rather promote that they just live a balanced, healthy lifestyle than I don't know get shredded and step on a stage for a little. Mm-hmm five dollar plastic trophy and <laughs> and a photo shoot after <laughs> yeah they are a different breed don't they yeah <laughs> so obviously i'm conscious of your time mate so um i would like to kind of uh before we do round up um just ask if you could tell people to kind of change one thing in their life and it doesn't necessarily have to I mean, i'm not stealing this off danny lennon i promise um there's a question I, I want to ask but it's a similar sort of question so like change one thing that is kind of doesn't have to be related to necessarily nutrition but to improve their health and well-being what would it be kind of what's the one thing to stop trying to keep to, to stop trying to keep up with the joneses to 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 figure out what it is that really matters to you and not worry about what matters to everyone else good answer Great like answer. i mean it, it's it sounds so simple but it's you know everyone's worried about what everyone thinks Mm. and and what everyone else has. Uh, And I mean, are those things really going to actually make you happier? That is a damn good answer. I got to say. You think back to the the conversation just had around competitors and that immediately springs up to think how many people just compete because they see other people's photos, you know, even, even coaches in the industry think, Oh, I must compete because if I'm not, if I, if I can't show a picture of me being shredded, then I'm not a good coach. Just as that, yeah. like if you're so worried about what other people think and not about what actually you want, then absolutely it can just affect all of your kind of like other lifestyle and kind of just make decisions that just just will not make you happy. Yeah, because I mean, you, I mean, you sacrifice your own mental and physical health chasing, you know, some someone else's ideal, right? But then you know, you're, you're not you're not living a life that's true to what you really want. No, absolutely. Um, Lastly, slightly less nutrition note, um, I want to do a little quiz. A see, quiz? <laughs> see how Canadian you really are. Oh, God. I'm going to fail this problem. <laughs> I've got a short, well, short, short-ish um, quiz, pop quiz on uh, Canada. Oh and I want to see how well you do. So uh, <laughs> just for a bit of fun. Uh, Brett, why do you do this to me? <laughs> I, if you don't get at least 11 out of 15... Then oh, no. you, you have you have to denounce your um, Canadian nationality and move to Cuba or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm a people of the world. Okay. <laughs> well, you, yeah, you have travelled. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll allow some sort of manipulation, <laughs> but no, I'm sure you do all right. Uh, which all popular right. Canadian franchise is known for its menu items such as the double double and Canadian maple donuts? Oh well, I mean that's a really easy one. It's Tim Hortons, but. Good. I don't like Tim Hortons. Why not? Their donuts taste stale and they have watery coffee. What? Okay, that's two reasons to definitely not go there then. Um, I've actually never been to Tim Hortons. The only because I've not, I've actually not been to Canada. I did see. You're not I'm... missing anything. No. They're, well, they're like, do you like Costa Coffee? No. You, I, I'm a, I'm a. They're co- below Costa Coffee. Yeah, well, that's a very low bar. Uh, I am a bit of a. Co- <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a coffee snob, so um, I, I very rarely drink in Costa or any of the chain kind of coffee shops around uh all around anywhere really and if i do it's usually just to have a milkshake as in a latte so you know i'll just think well you can't really go wrong if you just 
putting coffee in a shit ton of milk and syrups. So, I only seen my first Tim Hortons Tuesday mm. or Wednesday. I almost got hit by a car once drinking a flat white because I was enjoying it so much and mm. I didn't realize that the light to walk across hadn't gone and my kids actually had to grab me. <laughs> yeah. So, a good way of dying, though. You know? so, yeah, so... I, mean, I was enjoying myself. <laughs> what would you say, Johnny? You saw Tim Hortons on. Did they have him in Wales? Well, that's the first time I've ever seen one. Oh. I might see it on t- Tuesday, Wednesday when we went up there. Cardiff. So again, yeah, the first time I thought of. Yeah. Have you heard of a guy called Will Tennyson? Will Tennyson? Tennyson? He's a YouTuber. I've watched him once or twice and he always goes there. I think, mm. oh, I looked in. Donuts again. No. Nah. Oh, I've, I've seen one in Dubai when I went. That was it. So. That's crazy. Hmm. Um. Question number two. What is the massive shopping establishment located in south-central Alberta that contains the World Water Park, Europa Boulevard, Bourbon, Bourbon Street, Bourbon Street, I'm going to say Bourbon Street, and a replica of Christopher Columbus's ship, the St. Maria? And that's the West Edmonton Mall. That is also correct. Well done. That is two out of two. So you're going to do all right. Um, <laughs> which cult oh, classic... <laughs> no, no, you'll be fine. I think these seem to be... like Obviously, I don't know the answers. I would have guessed the Tim Horton one, but uh, I didn't know that one. Um they might be quite easy i don't know uh which cult classic television series was popular with canadian kids in the late 80s each episode dealing with a different set of students in a school and their trials and tribulations of becoming young adults is it degrassi junior high uh it is on the list i don't know if that's the right answer or saved, saved by the bell was that no, canadian it is uh i think that's american yeah um, i think that was but i think it's it degrassi it is degrassi okay. yes well done Damn. Which Ontario city has been disguised as other worldwide locations for the sakes of many Hollywood films, including Loser, The Incredible Hulk, and Grey Gardens? Vancouver. That's not on the list. Oh, he's got one wrong. What? I'm going to give you... It's not... uh, I'll give you the four multiple-choice options. Ottawa, Paris, London, or Toronto. Oh, wait, wait, yeah. You said Ontario's. Why did I say Vancouver? Um, Toronto, I would think. Okay, let's let's go with Toronto. Um, I didn't hear the Ontario part. Nah, that's all right. Don't worry. Because I know that um, they shot some of uh, the Incredible Hulk in Vancouver as well. Um. Question number five: um, Which historic and I don't even know what this word is francophone city builds? I think it's F R A N C O P H. Yeah, that's right. Francophone, francophone yeah. Yeah. city builds the Hotel the Glass every year. And a tourist favourite, complete with restaurant, bar, boutique, and cathedral, all sculpted from ice. Uh, is it Quebec City? I'll give you the option if you want. Montreal, uh, Terrebonne, Terrebonne. Is that right? Terrebonne. Uh, it's pro- Terrebonne. probably Montreal then. Uh, well, no, Quebec is on there. There's uh, so Montreal, Terrebonne, uh, Massouche. God, these, these I should know how to pronounce these things, but I don't. Uh, and Quebec City. Is it? Is it M A S C O U C H E? Massouche. I have no idea. No idea? Right, okay. <laughs> Let's go Quebec. I'll, I'll, I'll pop you down for Quebec City's on there. You did say that first, so. Um, it's either Montreal or Quebec City. Okay. Mon- uh, oh, well, you've got both, so pick one. Quebec City. Quebec, right. Um, which of these comedic, uh, comedic, comedic entertainers is definitely not a thespian of the Canadian persuasion? Martin Short, Michael Sarah, Jason Siegel, or Seth Rogen? Sierra. He's the dude that's super bad, isn't he? 
Yeah, he's the uh, the taller, thinner one, not the fat one. Yeah. I can't remember what the fat one's yeah. name is. Although Jonah, Hill. Jonah, Jonah Hill. Hill, that's it. I feel like I should know. Him. Um, okay, most people Did are. Did I get it right? Uh, I'm going to find it at the end because they're not giving me oh, the answers okay. now for some reason. Um, <laughs> Most people are familiar with the United States National Football League and the Super Bowl. In Canada, it's the Canadian Football League, but what is the Canadian's equivalent of the Super Bowl? That I don't know. Like, no no clue whatsoever. I'm very surprised. Uh, okay, well, you've I mean, got... I know it's the C- CFL. Um, you've got the, sta- the Stanley Cup, the Daisy Bowl, the Grey Cup, or the Silver Cup. Stanley Cup, isn't that uh, ice hockey? I, I have no idea. I have no idea. Is the Stanley Cup ice hockey? Uh, yeah, that's yeah Stanley so, Cup. So it can't do that then. So that I know. See if you're going to be the Daisy Bowl, the Grey Cup, or the Silver Cup. It's football. You're going to the Grey Cup. You see the Grey Cup. Is it as big in Canada as it is in America? Football. It is, but I've just I I've never watched sports. Fair enough. Johnny's only interested in jiu-jitsu nowadays, anyway, so it wouldn't matter. That's all he want to speak about. <laughs> and he's starting MMA next year as well. Mm. So I'll be into that. So either you're really good or broken in two or three, probably ten pieces. I think the latter. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. Well, tra- like combination we said, of the two. Training to failure, like we said earlier, happens every session. That's why I'm half dead. I had to take, <laughs> I had to take eight weeks off of work once uh, doing jujitsu because I dislocated three ribs trying to get out of a rear naked choke. That sucked. <laughs> that sucked. It sucked. Yeah, you you're better off just tapping out and just saying, "Let me go." See, I'm too stupid to tap. Like that's yeah. the problem. It's just not even like an option in my mind to tap. I don't even think about it. I'm just like I can fight my way out of this, and oh. then I get. Yeah, I I tried to do that this week with someone who had me in a cross. We we were learning to defend from the back and uh, or having your back taken, and I someone was doing a cross collar choke, basically pulling the gi across my neck, and it basically cut off both my um, arteries and. I felt myself just going, <laughs> just going. Yep, yeah, I'm going to sleep. Uh, lucky enough, he th- I think he thought he didn't quite have it, so he kind of let go at the, just at the moment where I was thinking, "Fuck." Um, if not, I would have just gone out. I think, but it, it's well, a, not regret. Yeah, similar. Uh, it's a similar thing. That you ain't gonna let that. You are. If you fight in it, you're gone. Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying. He let go. He let go because I think he tried to adjust because he didn't think he quite had it. But had he known, he was very close to putting me to sleep. So I got lucky basically, <laughs> but. Hilarious. Yeah. Um but I'm not the only one too dumb to tap. <laughs> I'll be honest, I think I was already going to sleep before I even realized so. I was a bit like, oh shit. <laughs> it's it, it, like if you've never been choked that one down. is a weird one because you can still breathe but, but it's cutting off blood flow to the brain. Exactly. Yeah, you, you exactly. Out, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's and like if you never had if you've never kind of been choked out that way, it is a weird one because it does just kind of really quickly come on. As in yep. like you said, yep. because you can breathe and you don't feel it, it's kinda of like, Whoa, what's just happened here? And it's like, oh shit. Um, you just search stars. Yeah, yeah. Like I felt, I just felt my eyelids start shutting, and like yeah. that sensation of almost <laughs> literally going to sleep. It's a terrible um, feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To be fair, it wasn't actually that scary. It was kind of just a bit like, oh shit, what the hell's happening? Um, it's not scary. It's just weird. Yeah, it's weird. It's because you can't do anything about it. It's literally completely no. uncontrolled. So, um, question number eight: Canada is a proud is proud to be a bilingual country, but other than English, which language is the most commonly spoken by? Canadian citizens. I would guess this. Yeah. Well, French, guess. yeah. Yeah, French. Um, the 10th Prime Minister of the country once said, not enough history, too much geography when referring to Canada. Who was this dominant leader who headed the Liberal Party in the office between 35 and 48? I'll forgive you for not knowing. No clue. No clue. Do you want to have a guess? If I read that names? Well, jo- what John, are the options? John McDonald, Pierre Trudeau, 
Paul Martin, William Mackenzie King. I'd have said Trudeau just because he sounds Canadian, French, French Canadian. But I would. Um, I have no idea. Like I really have absolutely no idea. Let's go, Pierre. Then I'll t- I'll take the I'll take the loss okay. on that one. Uh, in eighteen sixty-seven, the year Canada was founded, what was declared the country's official sport? Ice hockey, polo, basketball, or lacrosse? I'm actually going to say basketball. Okay. I think most people, certainly ignorant people like me, would say ice hockey. But I- I'm probably wrong. I- I'm probably just as ignorant as you are about this. <laughs> <laughs> Question number eleven: Sketch and and in uh, sketch and improvisational comedies are very popular with can- Canadian television viewers. But which of these following shows was definitely not produced? In Canada, Upright Citizens Brigade, SCTV, um, Codco, but I think it might be CODCO. I don't know if that's an acronym or whether that is actually called Codco, but it's all in capitals, so CODCO. Uh, and Kids in the Hall. I guess the Upstanding Citizens. Upright Citizens Brigade. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not quite a cultural melting pot, but what gorgeous and multicolored type of artwork is Canada usually compared to? A a haiku. A marionette, a poem, or a mosaic? Mosaic. South Park creators Matt Stone and Trey Parker have a tendency to depict their shows Canadian characters have trash can-like bodies and heavily slack-jawed accents. Which <laughs> which two Canadian South Park characters have their own show, movie, and spin-off? Is it... Terrence and Philip. Terrence and Lem? Oh, yeah. Ger- <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Ger- Gerard and Terrence. Terrence and Philip or Flip and Terry? I think oh, it, should, it should be Flip and Terry because I quite like that name. But yeah, what's the song they sang in South Park the movie? Yeah, uh, Uncle oh, Fucker. Uncle Fucker, fucking brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> so, I, I'm I'm actually very surprised they can still get away with making South Park episodes. Uh, where was you? Prick. But it's brilliant. Yeah, they have made a <laughs> lot of money. Uh, those two. Um, the largest producers of the particularly Canadian beverage are Sleeman, Labatt, and Molson. Which frothy beer? Sorry, what frothy bitter drink is this? Vodka, beer, Red Bull, or soda pop? Oh, soda pop. I would think soda pop. So Sleeman, Labatt, or Labatt and Molson. Let's go soda pop. Oh, oh wait, what? Oh. No, no. Okay, here, repeat that question. The largest producers of this particularly Canadian beverage are. So these are name obviously of the producers. Uh, brewers, I guess, if you want to call it that. Okay. Sleeman, Labatt, and Molson. What frothy? As in foamy, frothy, bitter drink. Yeah. Is this? And what are the options? Vod- vodka. Bi- uh, I've never seen a frothy vodka, so I'm going to assume that's no, not vodka. That's but, definitely not vodka. Um, beer, Red Bull, or soda pop? Oh, beer. Yeah, beer. Let's go beer. That sounds like beer. Like I don't know why the word malt. Yeah, no, that that definitely is beer. I didn't, I didn't quite catch the the question. Okay. And beer. last one. Uh, Canada gets pretty cold during the winter months, so much so that cars won't even start in the morning before work. Um, how, oh how, do most Canadians simply avoid this problem, not uncommonly to disbelieve of others from warmer climates? Do they add Tabasco to coolant, have two batteries and charge one while using the other, leave it running overnight, or plug it in at night? Plug it in. Okay. We have bl- block warmers. And I'm going right. to submit answers. What, Johnny? Isn't this? You're such a pig, fucker, Philip! <laughs> Are we going to get taken off iTunes and Spotify now because of that? Uh, classic. Classic. Well, I am 
pleased to say, at least, that you scored 12 out of 15, which is above average. So well done, mate. That's I'm I'm impressed with myself. You like, can, I didn't think I would get that many. You no longer have which to move now. Which ones did I get wrong? Which ones did I get wrong? Um, uh, the official sport of Canada is not basketball. It is lacrosse. Um, what? That's what it says. It says the correct the answer hell? is lacrosse. So it says here most quiz takes would jump to the conclusion that the answer is hockey, but lacrosse has been played by Canadians for over five centuries. Okay, yeah, I'm blown away. I didn't know that. Um, the Prime Minister one, which is obviously probably not really the most interesting question, so forgive you for getting that wrong, but it wasn't Pierre Trudeau, although it was probably more my guess. The correct answer was William Mackenzie King. Uh, yeah, see, I, w- I never would have gotten that. No, the... Uh, uh, was it not? The, the actor one, uh, which uh, comedian and tenor is definitely not a Canadian. Right, uh, Jason Siegel, not Michael Cera. So all the other no, ones. Michael Sears Canadian. Must be. That sounds a bit so. Um, I figured a word actually that you that you lot say that is not American. That's a boot. I say a boot. Yeah, like as in Do like I... you, if you say something about something, you say a boot or something similar. Say about. No, it's it, it's not it's not not saying a boot. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. No, it's okay. So. Americans tend to draw out the O and the U. They say about, and like it's it sounds like a like an audible dip <laughs> when they say about. It, right? When I say about, I say it quick. The O and the U are really quick. So yeah, I mean to to, to the un- untrained ear, it sounds <laughs> like a boot. But I'm just it's it's shorter the way we say it. We say about. That's definitely a boot. Is definitely Not one about. word. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have that dip about for for the listeners for the listeners we were talking about how to tell what words canadians say differently than americans to how to tell the difference because obviously from again from an ignorant um uh person from across the atlantic uh that you often wouldn't know the difference but that's one way to find we say out. roof instead of roof yeah well americans say roof though but like that's more english yeah they say roof like for well for what i would say roof would an american say roof yeah would they yeah yeah most of the ones i've ever met that's one of the the first things i noticed that's actually quite like a norfolk saying so it's in like where i'm in in england um roof would would be sound like quite the norfolk accent um whereas obviously i think someone else say more let's say london based would say roof rather than roof um johnny how would you fair though even my family says that I talk funny, and I mean they're Canadian too, so <laughs> it's better than looking funny. So, yeah. I, guess, um, I guess so. That's it. They were your, they were your the the three you got wrong. So well done, mate. Very. Like I said you no longer have to move. So well done. <laughs> I enjoyed that. <laughs> um, no, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it, mate. Loads of value there for people, and also for coaches. I think there'll be some obviously coaches that perhaps we do, we know there are coaches that do listen, so they'll probably perhaps listen to some of that and get some value in terms of their own service and kind of how they think about clients, perhaps. So, um, and obviously, fantastic success in how obviously you've taken something and it's grown to be something so massive. So, uh, that was not a euphemism before anyone starts. <laughs> yeah, um, no I mean, thank you for having me. No, you're welcome. No, it's been brilliant. Um, do you want to shout out anything? You don't need the help, clearly, but do you want to shout out anything that you want to in terms of how people can find you, the group, the the company? Um, 
Well, I mean, they, they won't find much following me. So, yeah, I mean, you know, if they want to see what we're about, just macrosinc.net and uh, the Macros Inc. Facebook group. But, uh, yeah, I mean, my own social media, I don't tend to be very active on. I'm more of a behind-the-scenes type of guy. Um, mm. I have one, like, separate um, IG account that's just I post about movies because I love movies, but no one knows that it's me, so... Yeah. <laughs> Ah, cool. Well, you could have shut that out, but then I'll notice you. That perhaps you don't want to to happen. It's, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you again, mate. Really, really enjoyed the chat, um, and obviously we'll catch up soon. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the NNN podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please help us by rating on your podcast provider, sharing with your networks, so we can get our content out to more people. See you next week. Yeah.